Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. What if I told you, no 30 for 30, not all seasons were created equal. For some teams, it just means more. I'm not talking about the SEC. I'm talking about this year's impact seasons for specific teams across college football. 2023 is going to leave its mark on a lot of teams for years to come. Welcome into the hard count. We're so glad you're here. We have a lot of y'all listening on podcast. A lot of y'all tuned in live right now on YouTube. Thank you for that. We talk only college football here 365 days a year. We're live on Tuesdays, live on Thursdays. But right now, whatever you're doing, whether you're working your internship, whether you're in summer school, God bless you, whether you're babysitting the kids, kick them up for a minute, just talking ball. Let's get after it. All right, we got a lot to talk about. Like I said, Impact Team's going to talk about that in a minute. But recruiting right now, is very, very hot. A lot of official visit weekends across the country being had. A lot of the team rankings are shifting from hour to hour, day to day. Keep an eye on those on on3.com. But I'm going to break down some of the highlights, some of those teams that maybe you don't always see at the position they're at right now, making some moves in the recruiting trail. So we'll break that one down for you. It's schedule prediction season. It is both cancerous and beautiful at the same time. If you're keeping up with our TikTok, you know where this thing is headed, but we're going to predict the Tennessee Vols schedule for the 2023 season. Now, I want to preface this. I am going to be conservative because y'all that watch this show, you know, I drink the orange Kool-Aid, the Vol-colored orange Kool-Aid 
pretty frequently this last year. And we had good reason to do that. I mean, we saw what Hendon Hooker did. We saw what Josh Heupel did with the way he's built that team. But I'm going to take a conservative stab at their record for this coming year, all right? So I'm sure that we will have uh, no disagreements. I've actually been getting texts as we've even been getting onto the air about people that have uh, already seen the number that we're giving for Tennessee this coming season. But also another team that we got to talk about, the USC Trojans. They got a big year in 2023, but 2024... They moved to the Big Ten Conference, and just last week, we got to take a quick peek at who they will be matching up against in that 2024 slate. So we'll take a look at that and what that could mean for USC going forward and what that's going to look like when they get to the Big Ten Conference. Because remember, the college football playoff also expands in 2024. So a lot of tectonic plates shifting throughout the college football landscape and we're just going to break that one down and what it can mean for the good people in Los Angeles. All right, make sure you like the video before we get rolling here. A lot of y'all are new to this show, and we're very grateful to have y'all here because we are less than 100 days away from college football. I believe we're less than 75 actually right now. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. This year's teams that are going to have an, an impact year, if you ask me. So not all seasons created equal. We already said at the top of the show, but some of these teams have higher stakes in 2023 than maybe some other teams across the country. And let's start in Norman, Oklahoma. Because for Oklahoma, they leave for the SEC in 2024. And they're going into their second year for Brent Venables. And my main question for Oklahoma is, which way is the arrow pointing as they leave the Big 12 Conference? And you know what I'm talking about here. The way that they leave the Big 12 is going to be a very big jumping off point for when they get to the SEC, especially for recruiting, because you won six games last year, had a lot of close games, a lot of close losses, rather, for the good folks in Norman. But when they get to the SEC, the difficulty level just gets turned up a little bit. And that's no shade on the Big 12. That's just the reality. It's different playing Kansas one week than it is playing Tennessee and Alabama and Georgia and LSU. Like, you hear what I'm saying? So, for Oklahoma, if they were to win eight or nine games this coming year, you can go talk to recruits and say, okay, we won six games the first year, starting to get this thing headed the right direction, won nine games the next year. Hey, come be a part of what we're doing here. We get to the SEC, man. This thing is about to blow up. We want you a part of this. Or you have that conversation with recruits after you win six games again, or maybe you make a one-win improvement and you win seven games. If I'm a recruit and you're telling me the difficulty is about to increase, and I'm seeing a very small improvement from year to year, or dare I say, maybe you just stay the same, that's not something you want to really be sitting with as you head into the SEC. And so for Oklahoma, that's the big question. Which way is the arrow pointing? Is there progress? Is there something to push to recruits as you leave to the SEC? So a very big impact year for the good folks in Norman, Oklahoma. Another impact team. How about the South Carolina Gamecocks? We'll talk about them in just a second. Really quickly, though, make sure you're subscribed right here. We talk college football every day. Y'all that have been with us for a minute, you already know the drill. If you're new, welcome. No time like the present. Jump on in, all right? So for South Carolina, here's the big thing for them. Going into year three for Shane Beamer, they've overachieved based on what Vegas says the last couple of years. And don't look now. We're going to talk about recruiting later in the show. Don't look now. South Carolina dealing with a top 10 class. Shane Beamer and the South Carolina Gamecocks have a top 10 class right now in the 2024 on three industry team recruiting rankings. So the way that I see it for South Carolina, you have poured gasoline all over this thing, like all over the recruiting trail. You're just taking your, your can of gasoline and spraying it everywhere. Now, that's great. 
but you and I both understand this, that's only going to be as good or, or burn as bright as if you're able to light a match to it. And so for South Carolina, what would light a match to that gasoline they've poured on the recruiting trail and help them capitalize on it? Some wins in 2023. What if they were if they were to win nine games or or have another big time victory over a, of a you know high ranked team like they did last year? It's all about proving that South Carolina is not just a good story. Like Shane Beamer said last year, and I wholeheartedly believe that. I don't believe South Carolina is just a good story, but they got to take it to the 2023 season and be able to capitalize on the momentum they've created now. So for Texas A&M, another impact year. Another impact team we got to talk about because right now the concern that I have for Texas A&M is the optics, the way that it looks from the outside, looking at what's going on in College Station because they've got a lot of talent. And I know that there's a lot made of the guys that transferred out and the way they've recruited as of late, but y'all, from 2019 to 2022, Texas A&M had a top 10 class every single year. One of those, they had the top-ranked class in the country. So what I'm saying is the roster is really, really solid. I think everybody would agree that Texas A&M last year underachieved. But here's the thing now. If you're Texas A&M and you're trying to recruit Johnny Five Star, Johnny Five Star is probably going to have a little bit of hesitation because he sees other five stars in his position from previous classes go to Texas A&M and either, one, transfer out, or two, they don't get developed to the degree you would hope they get developed. And that translates and shows itself in losses. Last year, perfect example. Texas A&M wasn't a five-win football team based on their roster. But you saw what happened on, on the field, and you saw the way that they didn't meet expectations. And so the reason why this is an impact year for Texas A&M, it's not good enough just to win six games. It's not good enough just to make a bowl game in College Station. You haven't recruited at that level. You don't have a head coach that coaches at that level. He's got some jewelry. Like the bar is set much higher in College Station than what they're achieving. And so as Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC, that, that gets a little more crowded in the state of Texas recruiting for SEC talent. It's a little bit more crowded on, you know, the, the pitches you're making to these recruits. If I'm, if I'm a kid in the Lone Star State and I want to play in the SEC, I can stay home and go, go to Texas. I don't have to just go to Texas A&M anymore. That's not the only SEC school in the Lone Star State anymore. And so this is a very big year for them to say, you know what, last year, not what we expected, not what any of us wanted, not what any of us are okay with, and then be able to kind of dry erase last year and be successful in, in 2023. And I think some of that looks like, I mean, I hate to keep saying nine wins. Let's say eight wins for Texas A&M. If they can win eight games, that shows a little bit of an improvement, a little bit of a progression. I say a little bit. It would be a big jump from what they did last year. I think it would be more in line with what you expect from their roster, and you can pitch that to recruits going forward. I keep talking about recruiting because we all understand this. College football, the lifeblood of this sport, is recruiting. You cannot win without talent. You can have talent and still lose, and Texas A&M proved that last year, but you can't win without talent. And where do you acquire that talent? the recruiting trail. You can retool via the portal, but you don't really want to live through the portal. All right? And I guarantee you Texas A&M is no different. Last thing we got to talk about here for the impact season for 2023, let's go down to Coral Gables. We've talked about Miami Hurricanes here a fair amount in the last couple of shows here on the hard count. And for Miami, there's got to be a sense of urgency, and it's not necessarily totally fair for Miami because they're only going into year two, much like Oklahoma is. But the sense of urgency and the reason why it's an impact year is because of what's around you. 
Let's start with just the talent that's around you. I say talent in terms of where you have to draw from on the recruiting trail. Like Florida is arguably the top state to recruit from. And then the other piece of that is who you're competing with. You have one, Florida State, who's a team that is currently in the top 10 of the on three industry team recruiting rankings. So they're starting to see some dividends from what they did, you know, a a couple of seasons and and built to last season with a great year last year. And they're hoping to have a college football playoff berth this coming year. Like they're, they're what's hot right now in the state of Florida. Then next to them, you got the Florida Gators and say what you want about Billy Napier. He prioritizes recruiting. He does. So Florida is going to be a player and they're going to be a brand on the recruiting show that you got to deal with year in and year out. It's just the way it is for Miami. And so even though it's only year two, I need you to recreate what I believe of your team. And what I mean by that is last year, Miami probably had a better roster than what they achieved. So all I'm asking for Miami is just achieve what your roster is asking you to achieve. Go win eight games. If you can win eight games, you get the over, I believe, on what Vegas is saying you're going to do. Like, that's great. Then we can say, all right, look at the way this thing is headed. There's a, a common thread here across all of these teams and that's trajectory. What is the trajectory of Oklahoma, South Carolina, Texas, and Miami? What do they look like going forward? This is a big year to set the tone on the recruiting trail and what you're pitching through the transfer portal and just the overall temperature of that program and that fan base. Like this, There's a lot to unpack here, but impact years are definitely on the horizon for all four of those teams. So get your popcorn ready. going to be a fun year across the college football landscape, especially for those teams and what they have ahead of them. Appreciate everybody tuned in live right now. Make sure you like the video. I'll just leave it at this. We have a streak going right now of 100 likes every show before we get off the air. We are currently at five shows in a row. Can we make it six? We have everybody that likes the show right now. What will be at our goal? Little thumbs up icon under the show. We appreciate you in advance for that. All right, let's move right along here. Uh, Recruiting season is a year-round thing. Like recruiting never stops. I know there's dead periods. I know there's non-contact periods, but the reality is recruiting is always something you have to keep a pulse on when it comes to the college football landscape. But currently, summer is where a lot of the hay gets made for most of these top schools. And so what I'm saying is keep an eye on two things. One, the official visits, where these top kids are taking visits to. The second thing is keep an eye on the on three industry team recruiting rankings. And there's been a couple of moves here, even in the last few hours, quite honestly, with some of these teams. So I'm going to kind of speak generally about where these teams are right now so we don't date ourselves here and and telling you where they're ranked. But there's some highlights we got to make sure we're we're keeping track of. And I want to start in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Michigan, before we got on air here, had a top five class in the country. A top five class in the country. I'll just say this for Michigan, as good as they have been the last couple of years, they have done it without the most talented roster in the Big Ten. And so why is this significant for Michigan? Well, now you you already take a a school that's kind of known as a developmental program, like a school that, you, you know, you get them to campus and then you get the very most out of them when they're there. Like that's a big piece of it. But now what if you get better ingredients? What if you just have more talent on your roster and you develop that? Well, then I think Michigan becomes very dangerous. And so for Michigan, the fact they've recruited at an elite level is not something we should overlook because it's not something they've done super consistently at least the last couple of years. And I think you're seeing some dividends from Jim Harbaugh making a point that he's going to be around 
from what we can gather. I think you're seeing the dividends from what they've done on the field, beating Ohio State twice, being in the college football playoff the last two seasons. I think Michigan's a hot brand right now, and they've had a big official visit weekend this past weekend. Michigan's hot right now, and that is dangerous for the rest of the college football landscape. So keep an eye on the Wolverines. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you watch the inside scoop that's on this very channel. Josh Newberg, a national recruiting analyst for us here at On3, does a phenomenal job. Go check that out. It's on this channel, all right? You will not be sorry. All right, another school we got to talk about here that is making moves this recruiting season, this summer recruiting season. How about the Clemson Tigers right now, man? Clemson, last I checked, had a top five class in the country. They made a huge leap this last week. I guess they went from 14 all the way up to four. And the last couple of years, they've been outside the top 10 in 2022 and 2023. And you would say, okay, well, big whoop, they can still go get guys through the portal. They'll still develop. Like, yeah, they'll still develop. But remember now, Clemson, they don't really go to the portal. Not really how Dabo does things. They're not a big portal team. And so for Clemson, for them to be in the top 10, it is even more important for Clemson than it would be for whatever other school you want to insert here that would use the portal. And so for Clemson, the thing that I've said for them is it really feels like old times. It feels like this is the way that Clemson was recruiting when they were showing up for the college football playoff every single year, it felt like. And this is a big year now for Dabo Sweeney as they continue to you know, press on towards being back to where they were those college football playoff appearances. I think the fact that they are sitting where they are right now says a lot about how Dabo is perceived on the recruiting trail and how kids still view Clemson. Like, there's so much talk in the college football world about Clemson's kind of fading and the game's past Dabo by. Like, that's not what these recruiting ranks are telling me. That's not what these high school big-time ballers are, are telling me when, when they're picking Clemson. Like, I think we're starting to see more and more of a direction for Clemson as it pertains to the rest of the college football landscape and, and how they're viewed on the recruiting trail. And I also want to say this. Clemson this past week, they landed two big-time wide receivers, two four-star kids, and we've said this for a while here. For Clemson, the next step for them is going to be landing some more versatility in a skill set standpoint at the receiver position. And so for them to do that, I think it just shows that Dabo Swinney has a, a very, very solid amount of self-awareness for his roster and for what his team needs. So for Clemson, feels like old times. Tigers are rolling right now. Let's stay in the ACC, though. Let's talk about the Florida State Seminoles. we got a lot of Seminole faithful that tune into this show pretty frequently. Before we do that, though, I'll just ask this one thing. If you could like the video, we'd be at our goal. Also, if you could subscribe to the channel, that would help us do more of what you want to see. So thank you in advance for that. All right. Let's talk about the Knolls, shall we? They're starting to see some real dividends on the recruiting trail. Last I checked... They had a top 10 class in the 2024 cycle. And this is significant because what have we seen from Florida State the last couple of years And Mike Norvell? They've built to the success they had last year, yes, but the thing with Florida State was they weren't necessarily crushing it on the recruiting trail. They were going to the portal. And one thing we talked about a lot on this show is, well, why is Florida State going to the portal? How are they going to the portal? Why are they able to be able to, to grab some of these top guys? I think some of it is the pitch you can make with Mike Norvell as the head coach and the brand of Florida State and all that. But I would even say this, for Florida State, they were able to pitch playing time. Like when Mike Norvell took this thing over in Tallahassee, he looked at his roster and he's like, look, if we want to win soon, we got to go get some players that can help us now. And they've done that, clearly. You saw what they did last year and what they're looking to do this coming season. Like Florida State's built up to this now. 
And so the reason why I think they're starting to see some you know, dividends is they've had success on the field now to where they can go and pitch that on the recruiting trail. And like I've already said during this live show, the block is hot in the state of Florida. Like there's a lot of talent to grab within the Sunshine State. And last year, they had the number 19 class. Year before that, they had the number 24 ranked class. Before that, the number 18 ranked class. Y'all right now, they're in the top 10. And I wholeheartedly believe that is a dividend they're seeing from what they did on the field a season ago. So Florida State, now, if they start recruiting some of that top talent, if they take over the state of Florida, it's going to be problems for the rest of the country. Something just flew in my eye, Nick, during the live show. We're a blue-collar operation. We just keep going. We don't care. Live and live in color. All right, we'll keep on rolling here. Let's talk about Wisconsin. Wisconsin right now has a top 25-ranked class. Top 25-ranked class through the Badgers. And that may not sound super bizarre to hear because you think about Wisconsin, you think about the brand, and they're in the Big Ten. I think Luke Fickle has just pumped a whole lot of life into this operation. Because last year, they had the number 47-ranked class. Year before that, number 33rd ranked class. Like, recruiting at this level for Wisconsin is not a thing that we're super accustomed to. Okay, usually they've done it with what I would call OKGs, which stands for our kind of guys, meaning they'll take the three-star, they'll take the two-star, they'll take the guy that's going to fit in their system well, the culture guy, and they'll go win with them. And they'll be just fine. Like, that's how Wisconsin's done it over the past couple of years. But now you bring in Luke Fickle, and one, he's got some skins on the wall with what he's achieved as a head coach so you're like okay I go play for him I'm gonna win I'm probably gonna go and have a good chance to get drafted based on what that Cincinnati team did if I'm looking at you know their resume there for Wisconsin you also can't overlook the fact that you're gonna be playing in a pretty fun offense if you're a skill position player like long gone are the days where they're just gonna line up with three tight ends and two fullbacks and just run it down your throat I think you'll still see that in short yardage and I think they'll still have that available like kind of keep it in the back pocket but Wisconsin now, they're going to trot out there this coming season. And there's going to be multiple times where you see them playing with four wide receivers on the field. You're going to see them spread it out. You're going to see them air it out a little bit with Tanner Mordecai under Phil Longo now. And so the direction of Wisconsin football under Luke Fickle, I think is more appealing to recruits. And I also just think, like I said, what Luke Fickle has done over the course of his career, he can picture these recruits. And we're seeing them at this point in time in the 2024 cycle say yes. So Wisconsin, the fickle effect and the fun offense, that's what I think is bringing kids to Madison. In the Big Ten now, you got Ohio State, you got Michigan, you got Penn State. Who else are you getting? USC, UCLA. Keep an eye on how Wisconsin ends up recruiting maybe the West Coast. I think they maybe have a little more reach now with some of those kids. I'm just saying. Now, here's another school I want to talk about that maybe doesn't get talked about nearly enough when it comes to just college football as a whole because they're a smaller brand, but... The Texas Tech Red Raiders, y'all. Currently, they have the top class in the 2024 cycle in the Big 12 Conference. Because remember now, no more Oklahoma, no more Texas. And even when those schools underachieve, what do we consistently say about them? Yeah, they've underachieved, but they've got the most talented roster. But they've recruited the best. Well, they're gone to the SEC in 2024. These kids that are being recruited, they're not going to play against Texas and OU unless they play them in a bowl game. So for Texas Tech, I think you can make the case they have a, a very decent chance, if they keep recruiting how they're recruiting, to be the new top dog in the Big 12. If you don't believe me, I think there's one recruitment we got to look at that is a perfect example for what Joey McGuire has brought to Texas Tech as their head coach. Micah Hudson. 
is a five-star plus wide receiver in the state of Texas. And Texas Tech is very much so in the race for him. Like, it's Texas Tech and Texas going head-to-head. Y'all, to be real, Texas Tech historically has no business landing a kid like Micah Hudson. They have no business being in the top two in the recruiting prediction machine. Like, what Joey McGuire has brought there, the, the new energy he's pumped into Lubbock, the new energy he's pumped into that program, I'm just telling you this, Joey McGuire is going to recruit effectively. He's going to recruit the state of Texas like nobody's business based on him being a previous high school coach in the state of Texas. Like, I'm just saying this. Keep an eye on the talent they're acquiring because Texas Tech currently in the top 25 of the on-three industry team recruiting rankings. But like I said, the top class in the Big 12 in 2024. Keep an eye on what's going on down there in Lubbock. Last school I want to talk about here, let's talk about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Before Marcus Freeman got there, they had had one top 10 class in 2022, and that was the only one they had had since 2014. Now, Marcus Freeman in 2023 had a number 10 ranked class. Before we got on air here, they had a number 7 ranked class. And for Notre Dame, we talk so much about the brand and how they expect to compete, and they've made the college football playoff and haven't made enough noise. Like, the way they're recruiting right now under Marcus Freeman, to put it simply, this is what it takes. There's a great book I'm reading right now by Trevor Mawad, and the, the title is It Takes What It Takes. And one of the things that that book talks about is the illusion of choice. And Trevor Mawad was a, essentially a mental strength coach, and he would go all across the country and meet with some of the top teams in the country. And one of his chapters is, like I just said, the illusion of choice, which essentially means, listen, if you want to achieve certain things, if you want to compete for national titles, there's not really that many choices. Like the, there's, you know, the, the sort of illusion that you can recruit at certain levels and grab certain ranked classes and develop them into recruiting, or excuse me, in, into competing for what you want to compete for. But like, if you want to achieve something, you only have so many choices. If I want to run, maybe I'll stay away from, from if I want to run, because I know we'll get some shade in the comments. Uh, if, if I want to get an A in a class, I don't have the choice of going out with my friends one day or, or studying. Like My, my choice is I, I have to study. Like That is the one choice I have. And there's this illusion of all the other choices I have to have, but if my goal is I want to get an A in that class, I have to study. There is no choice. That's what it requires to get an A. For Marcus Freeman and company to bring this whole thing home for Notre Dame, if they want to compete for national titles, there is no choice. They have to recruit in the top 10. They have to consistently be in that upper tier of grabbing the top talent in the country. That's what it takes for Notre Dame. It takes what it takes. And the good news for the people in South Bend is they're recruiting at that level right now. And so keep an eye on Notre Dame. They started out really hot last year as well and sort of faded just a little bit on signing day. Had some kids decommit that were committed in the summer. But Notre Dame, they're doing what it takes to compete how they want to compete. And I think that's worth noting with Marcus Freeman now running the show down there in South Bend, Indiana. So quick disclaimer, there is a long way till signing day. We're talking about this in June. I promise you, these recruiting rankings, they will change a lot before we get to signing day. All right, so keep an eye on this. Go check it out on 3.com. Make sure you're following on 3 recruits on Twitter. They're going to keep you in the know for everything. But these schools right now, I think, are making some noise and are worth following and worth tracking for the reasons that I just mentioned. I'm telling you, man, recruiting never stops, but summer recruiting is what fuels this whole operation. So we'll leave it at that. 
We've had a lot of y'all tune in here over the last couple of months, well, the last couple of weeks we've heard from y'all. And I just posed a question on Twitter. I posed it on the last live show and y'all have knocked it out of the park. So I want to hear from y'all again. How and where do you listen to this show? Are you on YouTube? Are you on podcasts? We got some phenomenal answers our last show. We had someone say they work in data analytics with cancer patients. They're an Ohio State fan. Shout out to you. We're glad to have you tuned in. Had someone, I believe, was in college and said they're currently doing their summer job and they have a job doing weed eating and they listen to us while they pass the time during their shift. Like, shout out to y'all. We got a, a policeman listening in his patrol car. Fires me up. We're glad to have you a part of this. Get in the comments section. Get at me on Twitter, on Instagram. Let me know how and where you're listening because this is our show. I say our show intentionally. It's not just us here behind the camera holding it down. This is a college football community, and we're glad to have you a part of it. All right? So we'll keep on rolling along here now. It's schedule prediction season. Schedule prediction season. It's a dangerous time now. It's a dangerous time because I would say if anybody knew without a shadow of a doubt what was going to happen this college football season, I would say, one, you're lying. I would say, two, you should go to Vegas because if you know what's going to happen, go cash in. And I promise you, there's a lot of people now that could be retired at this point in time, retired on the island, if they knew that TCU, who missed a bowl game last year, would end up playing for a national title. So we'll leave it at that. But school that we got to talk about right now, Tennessee Volunteers. we got a lot of y'all that are tuned in across the volunteer state, so we're glad to have you here. But we're going to give you our, our breakdown here for what I think the win-loss total is going to be for Tennessee. Before we get to that, though, let's talk about just the, the all-encompassing view of this team. Because I think it needs to be said, there is a very high boom factor when it comes to Tennessee. Hennon Hooker's gone. Jalen Hyatt's gone. Some people outside of the Tennessee circles are saying, oh, great, Tennessee's going to really fall off now. They're going to go back to winning seven games. And Josh Heupel got lucky having Hennon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt, but like that's not who they're going to be long-term. Well, Joe Milton steps into there, and there's a lot of people that they understand he's not Hennon Hooker, but he's also got some tools that Hennon Hooker didn't have. Like Joe Milton can sling the rock. And it, it doesn't translate to the football field necessarily, but y'all saw him throw that orange like 90 yards. Now you don't play football with oranges, but I'm just saying the arm strength on this cat is ridiculous. Really big frame, very durable, good athlete. Like, there's a lot he brings to the table here. And there's a lot for Tennessee when it comes to what they're going to do in 2023 that resides with Joe Milton and him being that dude. Okay? So, I'll say this. I am buying the Josh Heupel hype. One million percent. I'm bought in. I bought all the Josh Heupel stock very early in the year. I would also say this. You have earned the right in Knoxville to talk about a college football playoff berth. You have. Because you beat Alabama last year kind of fell off the wagon against South Carolina. You know, Hen Hooker got hurt. Like, there's a lot that goes into those, but you look at how this thing is built with Josh Heupel running the show now. Tennessee, I believe, is going to have a chance in every single game that they play. So that's for starters on Tennessee. It hinges on two things for me. Being able to make the college football playoff, that is, and winning the SEC and all that. Two things. The first of which I kind of already alluded to, and that's quarterback play. Joe Milton has still got Hendon Hooker-sized shoes to fill in terms of production, in terms of leading this offense. And this offense now, there's a lot made about how quarterback-friendly it is. Maybe that's true, but there's also a lot required of the quarterback. I mean, they run a play that feels like every 10 seconds, like they're going no huddle, no mercy. And they also ask 
the quarterback to get them in the right play when they're going so quickly. So you're responsible for a lot if you're the quarterback in Tennessee. So Joe Milton has to be able to pick up where Hendon Hooker left off. It's a very big variable. The other piece of this, the second hinge point for me, Tennessee's defense has got to get just a little bit better. And I've said this a couple of times. I don't need the 85 Bears from Tennessee. I don't need them to hold teams to like 24 points a game. I don't need that. But I do need this Tennessee secondary to not be the Achilles heel. Like I just need a little bit more from that secondary. Because last year, almost 300 passing yards a game allowed. That's not going to cut it. Especially not in the SEC when you're playing against all these quarterbacks. So... I need Tennessee to be improved in both those areas. I say improved, improved in the secondary. I need Joe Milton to pick up where they left off a season ago. All right? So with that table set, make sure you're locked in. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you like the video, all that. I get that out of the way before we move on to our business here. I said it at the top of the live show. And this is the warning I'll issue one more time. I'm going to be conservative here. And it's going to ruffle some feathers. It's going to make people upset. But we have to be conservative here because I would love for nothing more than to pick Tennessee to go 11-1 and and be a shoe-in for the college football playoff. I would love to do that. And heck, we're going to get closer and closer to prediction season and give you our actual college football playoff picks. Who's to say we won't, you know, maybe end up doing that. But what I will say is this. There are the variables that I just mentioned that I just don't know enough about right now. 11-1 and one is absolutely attainable. It definitely is. But here's what concerns me. You have a new quarterback who we have a really strong sample size from, but a very small sample size from. Okay? The other thing, like I said, the defense, I still have concerns. But you look at the schedule, and in a four-week stretch, you play at Bama, at Kentucky, at Missouri. I don't love that. I don't love that. I think especially Kentucky and Missouri are sneaky. Bama's going to be Bama. Like, I don't think there's any guessing about what you're going to get there. The schedule itself is, is going to be a little bit brutal to Tennessee. And so as much as I want to pick them to go 11-1, I'm going to be conservative here. I'm going to pick them to go 9-3 in 2023. All right, now I understand. Comment section will not be our friend. It's all right. We, we're, we're going to take it, all right? We're going to roll with it here. But I'll just say this. The formula for them is very, very clear. Like, Tennessee doesn't need a ton of things to fall into place. They need two things. Joe Milton to be that dude. And I said it on our TikTok, for those of y'all that watched that, if Joe Milton plays at a Heisman caliber level and the defense improves 10%, they're going to be in the college football playoff. They're going to be a double-digit win team. But what I don't know right now is what I don't know. Is that fair to say? We don't know 100% without a shadow of a doubt what Joe Milton's going to be. And so I'm going to leave it short and say nine and three. But for Tennessee, if they were to win double-digit games, that would not surprise me in the slightest. All right? I'll say this too. I think the floor for Tennessee is pretty high. So we'll leave it at that. So 11-1, not unrealistic. But we're going to ride a little bit lower than that for the Vols in the 2023 season. All right? Now, being in the volunteer state, it's not going to make us a lot of friends. But, you know... We're, uh, we're not in it for the friends, are we, Nick? All right, last segment here. Make sure you get in your, your thoughts, questions, concerns in the live chat. Nick Brake going to be answering those here with us in just a few short minutes. Make sure you like the video. If everybody likes this video, little thumbs up icon under the video, uh, we'll be at our 100 like goal. 
Like I said, we got a streak of five shows in a row now at 100 likes before we get off the air. I believe we can do it. I'd love to get to six shows in a row. But again, that, that resides with y'all, the audience. So we appreciate y'all. And uh, we'll keep on rolling here. All right. It's not 2023 specific, but for 2024, USC is joining the Big Ten. And we got to take a quick peek at what their schedule is going to look like. And y'all, it's brutal. <laughs> like, it's, it's brutal. Let's, let's take a quick look at this here. You are getting your money's worth when you go to the Big Ten. But even without the Big Ten, you got LSU to start the year in Vegas. So, yeah, you'll play Michigan. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll play Penn State. But, oh, by the way, you got LSU and Notre Dame in your non-conference schedule. So USC uh, absolutely going to be in a lot of those graphics when you see the toughest schedule heading in 2024. Like USC should probably be, you know, in, in a pretty good spot for to make all those graphics, to be real with y'all. So even so, in the Big Ten, you play at Penn State. You got Michigan. You got Wisconsin. Now, in addition to that, you also play at Maryland, at Northwestern, at Purdue. You get Illinois and Iowa in Los Angeles. This is the gauntlet for Lincoln Riley and company, but this is also what you signed up for. Okay, you, you understood what you were getting when you went to the Big Ten. You could have stayed in the Pac-12. You could have stayed playing Washington State, no shit on Washington State, but you could have stayed playing them every year or whatever the schedule ended up being. And that would have been fine for you, but you, you wanted to go to one of the premier conferences in college football you understood the tectonic plates are continuing to shift with conference realignment. And so you landed in one of the top conferences in the country and the schedule reflects that. So is it a tougher schedule? hundred percent. But the good news is for the good people in LA is you got the right head coach to make that move with. You got the right guy to lead you into 2024 in the big 10 conference in Lincoln Riley. And I say that because they're going to one recruit well, this narrative that Lincoln Riley just wants to use the portal, I think is a little bit garbage because he had a top 10 class in 2023. I bet that in 2024, they end up with a close to top 10 class, if not within the top 10. And they're also going to be a winner in the portal every single year. Like Lincoln Riley is going to use both recruiting at the high school level and the transfer portal to give his roster the best chance possible every single year. And why would you not? <laughs> if you're Lincoln Riley, you're in Los Angeles. You have so much firepower with the USC brand, with your location. Like, a lot of kids are looking for reasons to come play on the West Coast. And now, with you going into Big Ten country, maybe that reach expands even a little bit more. And the reach is already solid. Like I said, a national brand for USC. But just keep an eye on how they recruit over the coming years. Because I believe they're doing it with an eye towards the Big Ten. I mean, look at how the 2024 class is shaping up already. About half the class is what I call trench players, like guys that are going to contribute to moving the line of scrimmage, whether you're a tight end or you're an edge defender, offensive line, defensive line, obviously, like they are recruiting those positions, I believe, with a little bit of an extra care. And maybe I'm just kind of making something out of nothing, but I don't think I am because the Big Ten line of scrimmage league, so USC through the portal and with what they've done on the recruiting trail grabbing guys that are going to contribute to adding in the line of scrimmage. And the reason why this is encouraging for USC fans, not just because it's going to help you on the field, like that's the obvious piece of this, but what it says about Lincoln Riley, the self-awareness to know that, hey, I've got some areas of concern here. I've got some pieces that I need to shore up a little bit. I'm going to go and address those where I need to address them. 
And it would be easier for Lincoln Riley to just lean into his strengths and say, I'm a quarterback guy. We're going to score 40 a game. Like, that's how we're going to win. We're going to win track meets. He's not just taking that approach. They're going to recruit the quarterback position, I mean, as well as anybody in the country every single year. That's the first piece. But to have the self-awareness that we need to build this thing with the USDA-approved sirloin, I think that says something. And I think it should be encouraging for USC fans that he understands where the blind spots are and they're working to make them points of strength when they get to the Big Ten Conference because they're going to need it to play teams like Michigan. I mean, at Penn State in 2024, that should be a wideout game. If it's not a wideout game, like college football, what are we doing? Powers that be, what are we doing? That needs to be a wideout game. I'll just say that right now. So when you look at the schedule, or actually let's backtrack a little bit here. Let's go back to that self-awareness point. I want to say one more thing before we move on and talk about the schedule and what it looks like for USC. Uh, Alex Grinch is currently a defensive coordinator for USC. And you would imagine, you would guess, he's going to be the DC in 2024 for USC as they move to the Big Ten Conference. But I'll just say this, for 2023, we talk about impact teams. I think this is a very high-impact season for Alex Grinch. There's been a lot of complaints on the outside about what the defense hasn't done. Well, now for USC, from what you've done through the portal, adding a Bear Alexander, adding Anthony Lucas, like the defensive personnel now shouldn't be the problem like it was a year ago. And take it past a year ago, Oklahoma fans have their own opinion on Alex Grinch. And I'll just leave it at that. So I'm not calling for anybody's job. We do not do that on this show. But I think this is a very big year for Alex Grinch to be able to put a solid product defensively for USC before they head to the Big Ten. All right, so we'll leave it at that. Now, as I was saying, don't view this schedule through the lens that we view it now as college football fans. And what I mean by that is, in 2024, not only does USC join the Big Ten and UCLA joins the Big Ten and Texas and OU leave for the SEC, the college football playoff also expands. And so we're programmed to believe that you need to have no more than one loss. If you have one loss, you have a chance to get in. A two-loss team has never made it into the college football playoff. And the same thing happened when we went from the BCS to the four-team college football playoff. Previously, for the BCS, it was typically you had to run the table, be undefeated. And that was usually, I say usually, not all the time, usually that was the formula to end up playing for a national title. Then we got to the four-team playoff. Teams lose a game, and we're all accustomed to overreacting and saying their season's over. They're not going to make the, you know, college football playoff they're not gonna make a national title game and then that quickly was done away with after we saw how the committee treated one loss teams so when you look at USC's schedule you're looking down that barrel and saying we got to play LSU and we got to play Michigan and we got to go to Penn State like I don't see how we get out of this thing JD with with you know only one loss like we, we can do it don't get it twisted if I'm a USC fan I got faith in Lincoln Riley for reasons you already told me but I'm concerned about you know, only having that one loss every single year, like that concerns me. I believe that the committee is going to take a strength of record, strength of schedule into account when putting that 12-team format together. And I would just say this, if USC looks solid throughout the duration of the season and they look like one of the top 12 teams in the country, but they have two losses, one to LSU and one to Michigan, I would be very surprised if they're not in the college football playoff. So you look at this schedule, look at this gauntlet, and you start to get concerned. I would, I would feel the other way. I would say, okay, we're corking the bat here to where if we do end up losing competitive games against these teams, those are about as good as losses you would assume 
in the country. And so now the plan is still to run the table and to go undefeated and all that, but I'm just saying for USC fans, I would not be overly concerned about making the college football playoff based on how that gauntlet's going to look. You signed up for this. You knew what you were getting into. It's one of the reasons why you went to the Big Ten to be paid like the best, which is the TV money the Big Ten is getting. But, uh, yeah, I would, I would say don't fret too much about the schedule. It's going to be awesome to watch as a college football fan. Lincoln Riley is the right guy to get you there. And there's the self-awareness intact to build a, a roster and team that's going to be ready to go when you get to the Big Ten Conference. All right? So rest easy. Rest easy knowing that. Also, we got 2023 to worry about. Don't worry about 2024 just yet. We're talking about it because it's relevant, but don't worry about it just yet. We got 2023, and uh, a lot could happen. Appreciate everybody tuned in live. If we get 20 more likes, we're at our goal. All right, so if you just click the little thumbs up button below your picture you're seeing right now, we'd appreciate it. All right, also make sure you subscribe to the channel. Now, we've been going throughout the show, and you know how we do it here. If, if you don't know how we do it here, every single live show, we get to y'all's questions and concerns via the live chat. We would not be the people show if we did not involve the people in our show, in the show, all right? So right now, want to bring on the best producer in the game, pride of Owensboro, Kentucky, Nick Brake. Nick, how we doing, my man? What's up, JD? Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you, buddy. Looking good. I appreciate it. Um, always good to lie to your friends. Uh, <laughs> my hair, I was saying earlier, it's, just, it's not doing too good today. Um, I got some good questions here, but this one I think you'll be interested in um, because it's going to put you under the spotlight, maybe make your face a little red. Okay. Even redder than it has been from getting back from the beach. Unsalted yeah. Hoagie says, who wins in an arm wrestle, you or Josh Pate? What do you think? Man, that's a that's a very good question. I'll address the uh, the color of my skin first. I went to the beach; it was awesome, and we're sporting the red color rush uniform today. Um, who wins in an arm wrestle? Um, listen, man, I'll just say this: we saw. So I followed Josh on Instagram, and we saw him in Miami, and the dude was like curling fifties. So I'll say this: I I will never ever bet against us. I will never bet against us. Uh, but Josh is very, very strong. Okay, I will never bet against us, and I'll leave it at that, Nick. How's that? Well done. You should run. You should be the political landscape, man. That's a great answer. I appreciate it. Um, this is a good question from Kellen. Uh, you're an athletic director, and you need a good upcoming season, or you're going to get fired. Do you hire an offensive-minded coach or a defensive-minded coach to lead your team? Mm, I'm going to hire an offensive-minded coach because the way that that situation was presented to me, I need a good year this year. And you can play good defense schematically, but typically, and in my humble opinion, the personnel has to be there. Not that it doesn't have to be there for the offensive side, but I think you can hide the, the personnel a little bit more easily on the offensive side of the ball. Like, again, I'm assuming that the roster isn't in tremendous position. That's why I'm hiring a new coach. So I think you can kind of scheme it up a little bit easier, spread it out a little bit more. Uh, I'm probably running something like Jeff Levy runs at Oklahoma. I'm probably run, running something like Josh Heupel runs. I'm going to spread everybody out. I'm going to probably have at least one receiver that can run, right? And if not, I'm hitting the portal to go and get myself a wide receiver. I'm telling that head coach to go hit the, hit the, uh, the portal to get a wide receiver. And uh, we're just going to air it out and we're going to win a lot of football games, Nick. So that's And so I'm going to save my job. So for any athletic directors that are watching this show, I'm sure a lot of them do, uh, oh, that's, yeah. that's how we're going to get down. Okay. Um, J.D., D. Taylor, do you think Georgia's going to three-peat? Man, we're, so we'll, we'll predict this when it gets closer. I'll say this. I think Georgia has 
mm, how do we how do we put this in the most diplomatic way possible? I don't think Georgia's taking any step backwards. Like new OC, Todd Munkin to the NFL, Mike Bobo's taking over the the play calling. Don't think it matters. New quarterback, Stetson Bennett, one of the greatest of all time. Carson Beck steps in. Don't think it matters. So will Georgia win the national championship and go for the third in a row? You know, we'll see. We'll talk about that. Stay tuned and make sure you're locked into this channel. Uh, but I don't think they're taking any steps back. Any any narrative that Georgia is somehow not going to be, you know, a, a team that sends sends a team, or excuse me, that, that positions themselves to be in the college football playoff hunt or sets a Bennett's God, they're going to drop off. Like, that. that's not the reality in Athens. Kirby's not going to allow that. The recruiting classes they've had the last couple of years won't allow that. And I don't think Carson Beck's going to allow that. So we'll answer that when it gets here, Nick. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think they're taking any steps back. Okay. You're jumping around every question. I love it, man. I love it. I like that you're, uh, you're spreading the love here. Uh, Nick, while you're searching there, I got a quick programming note. Programming note. Uh, so here's the deal. We will have shows on Tuesday and Thursday of next week. They will be premiering. They will not be live. And so, you know, we're going to be gone next week. But even so, just understand, there will still be content. There will still be a show that premieres, you know, live-esque, 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern. We'll have a good time. We'll talk some ball. Same thing on Tuesday and Thursday. But just wanted to make that known. We're going to be out of town. So there's, there's, there's not, we're not going to leave you showless is what I'm trying to say. It'll still be in the podcast feed. And uh, just wanted to make sure we had that moment of transparency here between the two of us. But, yeah, Nick, with that out of the way, we got anything else in the docket there? We've got a few more. If you've Let's got some time, it. J.D. Beautiful. Uh, Michael Hartz, hashtag AskJD, how do you feel about the Big Ten schedule as an OSU fan? Bummed Penn State is an annual with the schedule being made every two-plus years. Can they, can they make weak schedules for top contenders for the college football playoffs, J.D.? Man, I would be very surprised if you have any team from the Big Ten Conference make the college football playoff with a quote-unquote weak schedule. Like, adding USC and UCLA to the mix, I think Penn State's trending upwards. Ohio State's always going to be there. Michigan's always going to be there. You add Wisconsin. You add Nebraska. Like, I say add. Wisconsin and Nebraska also need to be added to that conversation of teams that are going to be tough outs every year. Like, you just look up and down the Big Ten right now, Nick, and I don't see a team that's just going to be, like, a gimme win. I mean, even Northwestern, I don't think they're going to stay down. So, Iowa, I mean, who knows what they're going to be if they figure it out offensively. They're going to be in really good shape in the coming years. So, um, to answer that question directly, I don't think there's going to be any weak schedules in the Big Ten. USC and UCLA, U- UCLA, it should be noted, they also play LSU their first year in the Big Ten Conference. So for USC and UCLA, welcome to the Big Ten. You play LSU non-conference, and you just have the gauntlet, the rest of the schedule with, with who you got to play with Penn State and Michigan. And I mean, it's, it's going to be ridiculous, man. So it's going to be a lot of fun for a college football fan, though. I'll say that much. J.D. Uh, Cameron who, by the way, took Josh Pate to beat you in the arm wrestling. There you go. Um, yeah. This is wild. Good for Cameron. Auburn, nine and three. Not unrealistic. What, Ob- JD? Not, not unrealistic to, to think that. Now, a lot of it, Nick, we've talked about it here. There's two things that I'm looking at. And, you know, the second thing is kind of folded into that first thing I'm going to talk about here. It's the transfer portal class. Like, last year's Auburn team was not good enough. And I'm not just saying that because of what happened with Brian Harson. Like, Brian Harson was fired for a reason, but also that roster that was left for Hugh Freeze to inherit, he went to the portal for a reason. There wasn't enough talent to win how they expect to win. Now, adding Peyton Thorne could be the most critical piece, which is the second part I want to talk about. The offense is going to go through the quarterback. 
if Peyton Thorne can take care of the football, make the open shot, and they have some receivers separate, Auburn's going to have a chance to win nine games. Now, Nick, those that watch the show, they understand I don't think they'll win nine games. I think they'll be a good bit under that. I think it's going to take some time. But the roster itself is reason for optimism and reason for excitement on the Plains uh, right now. So they have a top 10 portal class. And how much that pays dividends in year one, how much that meshes and, and translates, that's going to be the determining factor for them potentially winning nine games. So, yep, not Sounds unrealistic. Good. JD, two more questions. I love it, man. Everyone, make sure you like the video. We're within ten likes. Yeah, maybe we'll just of, go to uh, the streak numbers of streak rolling into six shows in a row. Yeah, let's do it. Sean Nelson, where do you think or who do you think is going to land Colin Simmons? Ooh, man. So he told us at the On3 NIL Elite Series event, for those of y'all that don't know, five-star-plus player out of the state of Texas from Duncanville, edge defender, Colin Simmons, going to be a freak show wherever he ends up at. He told us uh, on camera at the On3 NIL Elite Series event that it was between Texas and LSU as his top two at that point in time. Now, it was still early. I think his recruitment will go, if not up to, pretty close to signing day. And if I had to take a guess, Nick, gosh, this is so tough. You know what? I think, I think Texas is in a pretty decent position um, just with them being the in-state school. But I think LSU getting that visit, I believe they get them later in the year, and they'll probably have a, uh, a, a bit of a recency bias there. They'll be kind of the, that visit high, you would imagine, for Colin Simmons. I'm going to take LSU, Nick. So you know, they don't give me a, a pick to make in the recruiting prediction machine. But as of today, reserving the right to change, I'm going to pick Colin Simmons to land LSU. So there we go. Okay. That's a feel. Yeah, I like, maybe we got two questions now. We got two, a couple good ones. You're good, uh, man. Let's roll. First one question, take it or leave it. USC has a top 40 defense this year. Ooh, top 40. Man. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that. I think if they can be in the top fifty, that's great. Um, I've said it before too. They don't need to be like Stonewall kind of defense. They need to be good enough and give this offense a chance to shine. But top fifty, a little bit rich for me. Um, or excuse me, top forty. I think top fifty is more realistic. But listen, they play some really good quarterbacks in the Pac-12 too. I mean, they're gonna play against Bo Nix. They're gonna play. I mean, they gotta play Sam Hartman from Notre Dame, who's not in the Pac-12, but that'll be a tough one in general. Like. They have their work cut out for them. And uh, I'm going to take under, I guess, over. How do you even say that? I'm leaving the, the top 40 defense. I don't think they'll be that. Okay. Last question. Thanks, everyone, for asking. If we Love didn't it. get to it, uh, come back again on Thursday. Uh, Craig Fox, JD, say your head coach. Uh, who's, your, who's your first hire for a coordinator, if any, in college football right now? Mm. If all of them are available. If all of them are available? If every yeah, if every offensive Ooh. defensive coordinator is open, you know what? So I think Craig is our is our guy who was herding cattle. Yep, listening to the hard count. So Craig, shout out to you. We appreciate you being tuned in, brother. Uh, we're two likes away, so y'all go ahead and like the video and get us over that. We'll keep the streak alive. But I would say this: I, I'm going to go ahead and say I don't think Garrett Riley's available. I think he gets a head coach job at some point in time in the near future. Just won the Broyles Award. Is now the OC at Clemson. Uh, Nick, I'm going to go with Zach Kitley. Oh, there Zach you go. Zach Kittley, your guy from Western Kentucky, currently the OC at Texas Tech. I don't know what his transition will be if he gets another coordinator job in the future and then gets a head coaching job. Like, the guy is going to be a head coach at some point in mm -hmm. time. 
Like, there's no question in my mind he will be a head coach at some point in time. They scored over 30 points a game last year to Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Zach Kittley responsible for Bailey Zappi's success that he had, Nick. I believe you were at Western Kentucky when that was all going down. So yep. I would take Zach Kittley because I think that's the way that modern college football offenses are going. And, uh, yeah, I, I would be fired up about hiring Zach Kittley. I think someone's going to get very, very lucky having him as a head coach or their next OC. And, uh, I mean, but if you're in Lubbock, you hope and pray you can keep him there as long as possible because I think he's a phenomenal uh, phenomenal rising star in our game, Nick. Yeah, uh, the the name Cliff Kingsbury is always thrown around yep. when talking about him too. I guess that's obvious with the Texas Tech situation. There's some ties there. There's players ties. love him too. But yeah, that's a good call, JD. Good deal, man. Who, who's the OC at Kentucky? Uh, What's his name? The OC at Kentucky went to the Rams. Liam Cohen. Ke- yeah, Liam he, Cohen. Yeah, that's a good one too. Yep. I didn't, didn't remember his name. Yep. But, good, know. Nick. Good, Nick. Well, brother, we appreciate you, man. We'll see you again on Thursday. Oh, yeah, I'll be here, man. Awesome. Nick Brake, the keeper of the queue, making it all happen. Everything you see here, we appreciate y'all being tuned in. Also worth noting, shout out to y'all. Over 100 likes. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Come back on Thursday, man. We'll have a good time. Everyone listening on podcast, we appreciate y'all too. We're going to keep this party rolling. We will see y'all next time. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in 
West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 